Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson and today we're speaking with Jason Corbett and Adam Fink of the dark wave goth rock group Actors. Jason is a producer and songwriter who has worked with a number of local and Canadian bands including the electro dance act Gang Signs, glam rocker Art Deco, and dream pop band Frankie at his own studio Jackknife Sound. Adam is the drummer for Actors and has lent his talents to a number of other local acts, including Jody Glenham and the Dreamers, Gang Signs, and Blue Jay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a little warm. I, I had my COVID, uh, my second shot, and then the next day or so, we had the heat wave, and I was laying in bed, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, it felt so apocalyptic to me. Yeah. Perfect from a vax uh, uh, side effects and, and yeast. Yeah. <laughs> but today, 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 starting to feel a little, bit, a little bit more normal with our tour announcement. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. And um, totally happy, Adam, that you're on the call. And I guess Jason, just because we haven't had you on the on the show before, it has been a long time coming for us. What types of projects were you involved in before Actors and? In Jason's case, what ultimately led you to start the group? Um, projects depends how far you want to go back. Um, most previously, before actors, I had a, a band together called TB Heart Attack, and, and um, Adam and I ended up playing together in that. And I really got kind of like uh, tired of the music industry in in regards to like what I thought it was and and trying to chase some sort of mainstream success and kind of lost, really lost my way on. And so I kind of took my back on that and just started demoing songs uh, in my living room for the most part, which then turned into actors. Like I just started kind of releasing these singles once a year, once, you know, two, two or three songs a year, like just little smatterings. And I didn't really didn't expect actors to really take hold. It was really, you know, we played the odd local show, but, um, yeah, it kind of really grew to a proportion that I, that surprised me. And Adam, I, I guess in your case, how did you wind up ultimately getting connected with uh, Jason to become the drummer for the band? For actors? Well, we played, um, I met Jason a long, a long ways back, but uh, I had done, I was filling in for a drummer on tour that oh. was opening up for Jason's band TV Heart Attack. Uh, it was like a five-day thing through BC and Alberta. That's right. And um, finished that tour, and about a month later, <laughs> he called me to ask if I wanted to join TV Heart Attack. So that's kind of how we started playing together. And that was, I think it was like kind of the tail end of the band. I probably did maybe half a dozen shows. And then when Dave started doing the stuff with actors, he was just like, oh, we're just going to do this thing now. <laughs> So. <laughs> that's pretty much the yeah, the romanticized version of it oh just the um it's like a phoenix rising out of the ashes from i guess the whatever was left of of tv heart attack yeah like a moth that that works as well i thought a, a phoenix was a little bit more poetic but moth also works very much and so. and jason i'm not sure if you'd even remember this but i actually interviewed you for uh beetroot magazine when you dropped your first single uh post-traumatic love way back in 2012 okay yeah that was just a phone interview that's right yeah yeah and i i remember it was uh i think the uh uh it might have been so early in the process that you might not have had 
a lot of press photos at the time because I think the the press photo that you sent me was just a photo of your shadow. Okay. <laughs> and my editor's like, yeah, I can't I can't use that in the magazine, yeah. which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when you when you started Actors, did you envision envision that it would become a live touring band, or was there just some other catalyst involved in the direction that it uh, the project wind up wound up going in? Well. I enjoyed playing music to a degree. Um, well, I always loved playing music, but I had, so, I had quit drinking, and I found it quite difficult to perform live sober the first year or so that I was sober because I started to really realize the reality of my surroundings and like, oh, I've been playing the same kind of level of show for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of shows like no exaggeration and it it felt it felt like what am i doing here you know it's like i kind of had to reassess what was happening i really had started focusing my energy on jackknife sound my studio here producing other artists and it gave me a new appreciation uh for my you know fellow bands and 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 musicians that maybe i would have seen more as like competition before and i was like oh there's room for everyone type thing and um, the band was, you know, playing show here or there, and I really didn't expect much to come of it. And then um, when uh, Shannon Hemet, our keyboard player, she filled in on keyboards for a show when our keyboards couldn't play, and uh, Jamil had just joined the band at that time, and you could really feel uh, palpable, like a uh, different energy in the room. It was like somehow the songs had, the, there was a femininity to the songs, in my mind, when I write them, uh, having a woman on stage with us really, I felt, was a conduit for the audience to hear the songs differently, too. And we ended up being asked to come out to Terminus Festival in Calgary. And um, we weren't going to go. Last minute kind of went. And the, uh, there was a representative for Artifact Records that was there. And he was really excited about us. And um, Artifact Records reached out to us. And, you know, a year and a half later, we were world. Wow, that 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 almost is one of those like kind of because they do happen, but it, it almost sounds like one of those romanticized like oh we we just played the show in the right place and there was a guy from a label that was in the crowd. Yeah, it was a bit of that. The the when I had talked to the head of the label uh, Yastic, uh, there's two of them. There's yeah, Jeremy was at this festival. Yastic had already reached out to me via email, but I. I was so used to people just kind of reaching out like, hey, uh, pay $1,000 and we'll get your songs on a TV show. I saw, when I saw his emails, like, no thanks, you know, like, not interested. And then I met Jeremy at the festival, and he was, you know, he was nice, but he was a bit lukewarm when I met him. And then after we played, he just, like, was, like, super nice. And I thought, okay, he must really like that. Um, and then when I talked to Yasek, because he lives in Iceland right now with his family, even though he's from Toronto. Um, when I spoke with him, um, we just really got along. And uh, he said, yeah, I've been following what you've been doing for the past few years. And he said, I think you're going to do well with music, regardless of, of you signing with Artifact or not. But I think that I could help you with that. And um, that was really key to someone to me deciding to work with him, you know, in that capacity. People say to me, sorry, to me they go, oh, you're so lucky. Oh, man, you're touring the world. I'm like, uh, 
I do believe I'm lucky, but I always remind people I worked nonstop in restaurants for 20 years. I didn't take holidays. Like I went on like two week tours or a week tour here or there and played on the weekends, visited my mom in the Kootenays for a few days and worked in a restaurant. Like I worked at one restaurant for 15 years and like, I was like never gonna do anything with music. Now for the past six years plus, I've been a full-time music producer. I've done uh, scoring for the Lebanese TV series, I've done short film scores, I master, mix, and produce artists from all around the world. And we've been fortunate enough to just be finishing our second record with Artifact Records and have, we essentially have like a world tour book, but we're just announced first leg because who knows with COVID, right? So when you say a Phoenix, like, yeah, I, I really, I feel like it, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like this old tired Phoenix. It's like, finally, <laughs> finally get me out of this restaurant, you know? <laughs> I like that image. <laughs> All right. Fair. <laughs> yeah. I, so it, because we were talking about artifact, I kind of wanted to, to touch on that a bit. Um, Cause you know, you talked about how you uh, connecting with the, the label heads um, and the, the label itself is uh, fairly unique, especially within just the Canadian ecosphere as it, as it were ecosystem. I, whatever the word is. What can you tell us just kind of about the label itself and some of the bands on the roster? I mean, I understand you, Jason, have worked with a couple of acts as, uh, as a producer. I don't know. What, what do you think about the label? I How think, would you describe it? I think Artifact is a very interesting label in, in the sense that when my limited knowledge of Artifact, when we initially were talking about them, is it to figure out if this was something that the band was interested in. And I knew from looking at some of their social media that they were doing a lot of reissues. And I was like, oh, this is cool for sure. Um, but genuinely, when we started working with them and I was seeing the kind of bands that they were putting out and how diverse it actually is, it's really quite surprising to have a band like Dead Quiet actors and devours all kind of in that same little world like and that's just three bands from vancouver mm -hmm. not to mention the other acts that they work with all over the world it's uh it's very unique in that sense where um i feel like they are big giant music fans and um just kind of gravitate towards stuff that they get excited about mm -hmm. you know uh I've been lucky enough to work with several of the artists. Uh, of course, everyone knows I, I always talk about Boo Blacks whenever I can. They're from New York. We met them on the road. We met, the, met them in Portland and Leipzig. And Boot Blacks are a New York-based quartet who play a mix of goth, post-punk, and dark wave in a similar vein as actors. They are also on the Artifact Records roster, and their latest release, Thin Skies, was produced by Jason Corbett. If you're a fan of actors, I would highly recommend giving this group a listen. You can check out the song Traveling Light on our companion playlist. I produced last year that also made top20postpunk.com. Um, and they, 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 well, they were signed to Artifact right before that. Like, I can't take any credit for that. So, But um, uh, Wingtips, one of the bands from Chicago that they work with, um, they signed on with Artifact. They're a great band. I got to master their record. 
Um, I'm not sure what exactly is going on, but I seem to be getting some sort of delay. I can tell. Yeah, are you getting a delay on your end as well? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I thought either there's a delay or you've had a head injury. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> oh, I'm not realizing this now. I just, like, got blood covered over my hands. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no good way to transition from that, so I'm just going to just just bounce around. Jason, I, I read that you cite David Bowie as a major musical influence with, you know, Bowie being the artist that he is and all of the uh, amazing music that he put out in his lifetime. What is your favorite Bowie record or era of his career? That's a good question. Uh, I, I, was first, I first heard David Bowie um, as a kid. I heard Let's Dance. And then my mom's boyfriend turned me on to the Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, he had it on vinyl, and I really got sucked into that whole world he created on that record. So both those records hold a really special place for, for me. Um, but, and I've said this before, like my several of my favorite songs are on Scary Monsters. And a lot of people really uh, like the Berlin trilogy uh, of, of albums, but I feel like with Scary Monsters, the quality of the mixes, the succinctness of the production, like that's where it really feels like, to me, it was kind of the high point of all that work he'd done with previous records. So a lot of people say, oh, I really like Low. It's like, yeah, Low's great, but there's something about Scary Monsters that takes what was great about Low and refines it and creates these really, really amazing songs. But, uh, you know, ask me next week and it could be something else, you know? No, that that's cool though. I honestly wasn't expecting Scary Monsters as your pick, so yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's what right. What were you thinking? Uh, I I was kind of thinking that you might have picked something from the from the Berlin trilogy, or Station to Station, or is Station to Station part of it? I always forget what albums are included in that Berlin trilogy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it's it's uh, Low, uh, Lodger, and um, is it Heroes? Is it, is it actually called Heroes? I can't remember. Yeah, the album's called Heroes. Yeah, that's the three. Oh, yeah. uh, okay, that's the three. Oh, so Station to Station isn't included. No. Huh. Yeah. But there's great songs on that, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, the, the first track alone is just ridiculous. I, I The Berlin Trilogy so refers to three albums released by David Bowie in the late 70s, Low, Heroes, and Lodger, respectively. These records were produced in collaboration with Brian Eno and Tony Visconti, and feature Bowie experimenting with krautrock and ambient musical styles. Many music fans and writers, myself included, regard these as some of Bowie's most important and influential works in his already legendary discography. You can check out the song Heroes on our companion playlist for this episode. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny. Um, I was working with uh, Panther, the singer from Bootblacks. He was in Vancouver when we were finishing up the vocals for his for their record that we did together here. And um, he's saying, oh, there's this song on uh, Young Americans called Win. And I, and I always kind of wrote Win off, or uh, Young Americans off as a record. Something about it, I thought, oh, I, I don't like this. Like, you know, I don't like the sound of the record so much. Uh, and then I went back and revisited it, and I actually really enjoyed it. And Win now is one of my favorite songs from David Bowie. So there's still lots to discover all these years later, you know, I'm a tin machine fan too. So, you know, I, I still haven't even, uh, dived into team tin machine yet. That's just, that's, uh, 
I, that just speaks to how much of a, a treasure trove he's left for so many people. Like, oh, yeah. it was like 25 albums he released over his lifetime, which is just yeah, like, that's a lot. Yeah, as a musician, you'd hope to be able to leave that much of a of a foot of a boot print, as it were. Right. Um, yeah. What uh, we've got Adam in the room, obviously, and we've talked about a couple of the the members uh, already. But what can you tell us about your your bandmates? I understand there's been a, a, a new addition to your lineup in this past in this past year. Um. Yeah. Oh, were you were you asking Adam or were you asking me? That was more directed at you. <laughs> I'm just in the room. <laughs> you, you can't talk about me because I'm in the room. Uh, <laughs> we have a new drummer. Oh, no. This is so awkward now. Uh, it's actually a drum machine. <laughs> I just, we rehearsed with it once and found it just had so much more soul. <laughs> <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> I laughing. love you, Jason. <laughs> I am the task cam. Um, well, uh, Jamil, who was with the band, um, he's a, a rad guy. We absolutely love him. Um, to make things easier for touring uh, and him having a new family, he moved out to Winnipeg to be with uh, with his wife's family. And what was going to happen is, like, he would come here to tour or, or what have you. And it just, I was laying in bed and I was like, oh, my God, like, just shooting the videos that we had planned like it's gonna get so over budget and expensive and it's crazy and and then who knows when this is gonna open up and 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 um i started to really panic about that and and then also i felt moving forward i i wanted to also have even a stronger feminine presence in the band um i felt that we were in a position to be able to, you know, have a 50-50 male-female, you know, ratio. And that made me feel excited about, like, what we could get across to our audiences um, in terms of, like, whether it being the back of vocals or, like, Shannon's also singing a lot more on the record. Um, so Kendall Wooding, her and I were working together on, uh, we were doing a cover of, uh, of uh, Porter's Head, The Rip. I had literally saw her on an Instagram post. I didn't know who she was, and I messaged her on Instagram and said, uh, my name's Jason, I have a studio, I'm not a creep, you can ask my friend Shannon, she plays in the band with me, let's bring you to the studio, I want to I want to record you doing this song. So she came out here, she showed up, she was decked out in black and like dark eyes, and she just looked so cool, I was like, wow. So right away I was thinking, she'd make a great guitar player for Shannon's group, Leathers. And, and then I introduced them, they hit it off, and then I kind of forgot about it for a while. And then I was talking to Shannon and she said, oh yeah, Kendall and I talk all the time. They're like, they're like best friends, you know? And I was like, oh, bizarre. Like, that's so cool. I'm so happy. And then like, literally I was like, it, it, it was a real shocker for Jamil, especially. He was about to come out and do this video. And I was just like falling asleep and it just struck me. I was like, I have to, I have to make this change. It's the best thing. It was the best thing for what I wanted artistically. It was the best thing I felt for the band at the time. And I think that that hurt Jamil and that really upsets me. But I had to be, art had to win out of commerce at that point. So 
Um, yeah, so Kendall hasn't even played a show with this yet, uh, but she's been rehearsing. She's super talented, and um, and we're really have her, really happy to have her on board. Yeah, so I was aware of her stuff, and I, I'm sure you've seen her video of her playing uh, uh, Jesus, etc. by by Wilco, and I was just I was floored by that. Yeah. So it's really cool to see her involved in your project. Yeah, and and she's also someone who's really keen to develop as a performer. Uh, it's someone that, much like Shannon with Leathers, I want to be able to uh, nurture uh, her career as a as a as a front person and as an artist here at my night at my at my studio, right? So it's like, I just, I just yeah, I I think it was just a, a her. her fresh attitude and real excitement um it is infectious and, and it's just it's nice to be playing together absolutely and on that you of course write record mix and master all of the actors music at your studio jackknife sound as the lead songwriter and producer uh, what do you do to get the best performance out of your bandmates on on record oh geez there's not much to do it's just we all, we all just serve the song. We all are uh, like, we're like family, right? And we've been through a lot together and um, everyone understands their role in the band. Everyone understands uh, what actors is and understands the aesthetic. So it, it's, you know, when you play 150 shows in 18 months, uh, 150 plus shows, you kind of develop a, a sixth sense for, for, for anything aesthetical or like what's needed for a song. So, um, the first record was a little more, um, some of the songs I had really been by myself with, and then Adam played on some of the songs. Uh, but this album, there's a lot more of a group aesthetic and there's a lot more, uh, contribution from everyone's performances. So yeah, it, it just feels super easy. Kind of on the other side of the the coin there, you of course have produced records for the likes of Gang Signs, also featuring Adam, uh, Art Deco, and Frankie. Mm -hmm. And how would you describe your approach as a producer, especially in situations where you're working with other songwriters on their own music? Well, I, I think it's important to talk to the other artists and really, um, really understand what they want to do to to see their songs get to the end, uh, to the end result. Uh, sometimes a band needs help with achieving what they want because when you're in the middle of it yourself, you might think like, oh, we sound like Metallica. It's like, no, you sound more like Nickelback, you know, but you don't know, you don't know that relation, right? It's like, like it's, it, so I just try and really get to the heart of what the song is trying to say what's the what's the artist trying to say and then you know you, you have to agree on a bit of a game plan right some people have a really clear idea of what they want at the end um and uh, some people are open to more um colorful collaboration on things and uh i don't know it just you have to listen to the artist and i feel like as a producer i really want to um i want to be someone who help people realize their dreams and goals with their music, not pigeonhole them into like, well, I do this style of production. So that's what you're going to get. It's like, I'm willing to try anything like to make it work, you know? 
and I've been really fortunate to be able to like to work with like I will get to work with a lot of cool people and it's really exciting yeah it's something that I've noticed quite a bit just uh talking to different artists and uh, featuring different artists on the show and just seeing your name on the on the production credits I'm like oh there's Jason again oh really yeah and and uh to my ears it's like they all sound different as well it's not a a cookie cutter thing where uh i don't know uh, what i'm trying to say is some producers are like so like so distinct with the sound that they that they ruin the band yeah with their own i'm kind of (laughs) rambling a bit that their own sound stamp or or it's just or just it's that it's that it's like you listen to it and you're like oh this was totally produced by this guy or this person or whatever well, the cool thing about Jason's style of production and his ability to try different things, it makes it exciting for everyone else. Like, there, I, there's countless times where I've been in the studio on some project with Jay, and the guy that's engineering comes over and he's like, oh, I love it when Jay comes into the studio because we get to do different things. Oh, he wants to use different mics. He wants to try different placements. He wants to do different preamps, whatever. It's just like, instead of having the guy that's just like, no, this is how you record drums. Doesn't matter what it's for. It's always going to be the same. Right. Where Jay is going to take risks and he's going to do something that will be very cool. Uh, that's how it goes. And that's how it goes. That's how it goes. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it'll wreck people's songs. Yeah. <laughs> Most important thing. It's like, I, I, Jason, promise not to wreck your song. Well... Yeah. You know, there is a flip side of that. There are some artists that I've worked with where not everyone in the band was stoked. Like, you know, sometimes someone in the band will be like, hey, I want to work with Jay because I want to have lots of synths in the song. And then the rest of the band's like, when I get like the guitar player alone, they're like, we don't, I don't want any synths on this record. I'm like, well, that's between you and the guitar, the singers, you know, it's like, so a lot of what, a lot of what the production job can be, can be like, uh, like, it's like, it's like counseling people through being the art, being through the artistic process, right? And trying to stay neutral enough, but also keeping the project moving forward. And uh, and, and in turn, I, I get so much out of my relationships with people. Like, I feel really fortunate. You know, and Adam, because he's here, I will mention, I don't mention it enough. Like, you know, he's been very vocal. He plays with a lot of different artists. He's very much involved in the music scene. You know, he's like, oh, you should work with Jay, you know? And really that's how i cut my teeth and started to come up was you know i worked with several bands that adam was involved with whether it was jody glennam or gang signs and, and um you know just I, I had to start somewhere and there was at one point there was no records on the walls in here there was nothing online i could share i was like well i got a website but mm-hmm. all i can really do is share a couple singles i've done and then it turned from singles went into like seven inches and then from there it went to eps and then albums and then now I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, the sky's the limit. Now I'm working with bands from like Italy and and uh, uh, New York and L.A. and like from all over in like really exciting ways, whether it's mixing or, you know, even mastering. It's like a lot of people come to me like maybe they don't have a budget to do a record, and but they want a little bit of the flavor of what I do here. Um, and, you know, people trust me with the final process of mastering and and that that in itself is really rewarding because I'm still getting to use my ears and and um, bring out what I think is the best of a mix. You know, it's just just all a positive experience. Yeah, it sounds like it. With um, this is just something that I've 
observed, obviously, as the band has evolved, um, the actor's look itself has become very consistent and distinctive. How did you go about developing the visual identity for the group? It just, that's just who we are. Like, literally, we were coming to rehearsals, and it was like, three of us had, like, the same leather jacket on. It was like, huh. Um, I had decided with the studio that I want to kind of be neutral and always wear black. I thought, you know, because if you're, if you're working with a dark band and you show up in a shirt with flowers on it and, like, a pair of, like, you know, flip-flops and faded blue jeans with the knees ripped out, it's like, they might not get inspired, you know? So I thought, I'm going to keep it kind of neutral and go for the more black aesthetic. And um, Adam likes a bit of color in his life, and, and that's good. And, like, he's blonde and he's not doesn't have dark hair. Oh, oh I'm not dark hair anymore either. I went gray during the fucking pandemic. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't worry about it. You're allowed to swear. <laughs> okay, good. No, um, yeah. no it's, just, it's just we all know it's like it's like a uniform. It's like... We are here to perform, and we're here to, uh, we're a gang, and, you know, like, we're on stage, and we have each other's backs, and it just kind of, he just kind of, it just kind of comes second nature for us. Yeah, and I imagine in that respect, it's just, it makes it easy. It really does, and, like, even when we met Kendall, I was like, I didn't know her, and she showed up in my studio in, like, skin-tight black jeans, uh, you know, big pair of, like, uh, combat boots, you know, big, flowy black kind of you know, jacket, jet black, slick hair, dark eyes, you know? And I was like, how are we not even in a band together already? You know, like, <laughs> and it's funny on, on a side note from that, like, I, I don't mean to speak Braddon, but I will. I think, I think when we started getting uh, touring and going out and playing, like we got asked to do a lot of like goth festivals or post punk, like goth industrial festivals. And, you know, Adam's aesthetic isn't goth. He's not like, you know, uh, he's not like an all in black kind of brooding guy. Um, and and I, I felt like there's a bit of maybe at the beginning before we went, like this apprehension of like, maybe I'm not going to fit in. Um, but everywhere we go, people just get it and like embrace Adam, embrace us. And so it's funny you said like with the first single, there was just a shadow picture of me because I thought like I want to keep the image separate and, the, and just have the music stand on its own. But what I found was the more we opened up as people, the more that we connected on a human level with people. Uh, Cause I'm a silly guy. Like I always wanted to be the Fonz, but I'm more like Richie Cunningham or Potsy, you know, for, for a dated happy days reference. Like I've just always been a silly guy. And so to try and have a front or like an image and a, it's too tiring. We're just we're just friendly people having a blast, and we enjoy meeting people and traveling together. And so that aesthetic, it's like we're creating our own aesthetic, you know, within those scenes. And we just it gets met with just like these waves of warmth. People say every every city we go to, I keep hearing like you guys are so nice, and it makes me think what kind of assholes are out touring <laughs> that. That they think we're so nice, like it's so weird, but we're Canadian, right? I guess that's that thing where it's like if your if your image is dark, people assume you're a, you're a dark, cold person. But speaking as someone who you know uh, loves metal and like run like love you know like to go to metal show local metal shows with on regularity when that was a thing, even though it might be coming back soon. 
uh, you know, metal people are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And they just get all their anger out on stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Or like, uh, like uh, uh, Robert Smith. Yeah. You know, from The Cure. Right, it's Robert Smith? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's been a long day. Like, <laughs> like he's got a good sense of humor. <clears throat> he's not this dark, morose guy. Like He's a hilarious guy that loves football and <laughs> hanging out with his buds, playing darts at the local pub. So. <laughs> you know, like, even Ian Curtis, they're, like, saying, like, Ian Curtis had a great sense of humor. You know, it's like, I don't know, like, that's, you, you have to, you, you have to be able to separate entertainment and the expression of your art from real life. Like, why would you want to be anything other than happy? You won't want to be as angry as you, you might convey in a specific song, because then you'd just be miserable the whole time. But he'd be Phil Ensemble. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oof. Um, <laughs> Phil, don't please don't hurt me. <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, something that is he barred through? He's just like, oh no, it's Phil. <laughs> just crashes down the door. <laughs> what did you say about me, bro? something that i've kind of observed is that and i might be off base but i this is just my perception it it seems to me that new wave and goth and post-punk styles seem to be more popular now than they might have been in the late 70s and 80s what do you think it is about these styles that has resulted in their enduring popularity well i've thought about this because I've had a similar question before and grow being a child in the eighties, there was this real sense of fear with the cold war nuclear looming nuclear threat. Um, that whole Reagan era. And, you know, and I think it was being paralleled in the UK as well. And so we were coming into this time of like, you know, celebrating the darkness so it doesn't devour you. And, uh, you know, rising up against these feelings. And, you know, we're dealing with very similar feelings now, but maybe even on a larger scale, you know, with, uh, you know, a pandemic and climate, climate change and all that stuff. And also, you have technology in a way that we can discover these bands that were influential in the post-punk movement. Goth rock emerged um, in the UK yeah. in the late 70s and early 80s as part of the post-punk movement. Characterized by a dark, melancholic sound, some of the pioneering goth rock bands include Joy Division, Bauhaus, and The Cure, though industrial synth-pop and shoegaze acts have also been associated with the style. If you want to get into goth, I would recommend checking out 40 Years of Goth, essential albums from the subculture's beginnings, which you can find on postpunk.com. There's an underlying oppressive fear in our world, and you know it could be end of days. Like who, who knows? And so it's like you have to kind of celebrate it, and make peace with it, and maybe escaping into the the dark world of, of pretending to be a vampire is is your soul. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I I like that observation. Now that I think about it, it might be a case of like discontent or this feeling of impending doom never really going out of style because i i do wonder i do wonder if there's ever been 
a time in human history where everyone's been like, oh, yeah, things are great. Nothing will go wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's ever happened. (laughs) But I don't know. I've only been... I've only been here a couple of years. I'm just a blip. Maybe maybe in the 90s for a few years, you know, like new kids on the block, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and then and then a bunch of really sad angry guys from Seattle, right? <laughs> took yeah. over. So <laughs> they're all dead now, so they were they yeah. were on something. <laughs> I do like a lot of those guys. Rest in peace to a lot of them. Rest in peace. Yeah, yep. definitely. The Band's debut album, It Will Come to You, uh, to my ears, felt like a really declarative statement, like, hey, we are actors, we're dark, and we kick ass. What sort of statement are you going for uh, with your next record, Acts of Worship? Uh, we're, we're darker and more kicking your ass or earth. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, I want to write... I want to... I want to dig deeper, write great songs i want them delivered with more punch i want them to be delivered with more dynamics i want them to be i want them to be an immersive experience i didn't want there to be any any minute of filler on the record you know out of the 10 songs on the record i think nine could be singles and i'm and i i just mean that as in like there's a lot of banger hooky catchy songs on it whether it's everyone's cup of tea or not will remain to be seen but um there's only like one kind of slow song on the album that you know so it really was if the other album was in black and white this album's in color and and shooting fucking electric bolts of lightning out of it that's how i feel and i dig deeper emotionally on it like lyrically i went deep on this it's a it's a the like you look at the titles of the songs and they're dark um, but again, it's celebrating the darkness. It was coming to terms with, you know, I had a relationship come to an end after a decade, and I went right into a pandemic and like tr- trying to create a record in a void. And um, in the end, I think it made a really great. It made me dig deeper and, and do even better work than I would have if there wasn't a pandemic. Wow, just digging deeper a bit, like. What was, you know, what has it been like recording and promoting the release of this new LP during the pandemic? I mean, with no shows or tours, have you found as a group that there's been more time to direct your attention to different creative avenues? Um, Well, you know, uh, last time the the album came out and then we were releasing videos kind of after the album came out for a few of the songs as well. And we've been really lucky to be able to work on videos and, and get a bunch made and release them. And we've been taking our time releasing the record because I really wanted there to be some attention paid to the first few singles, let them sink in, create a sense of like emotional connection with people. Um, Cause I didn't want the album to just come out and just fade into obscurity. It's like, a, I wanted it to be a bit of a slow burn and, and start releasing singles as early as possible, be, even before the record was done, because I wanted there to be some relief for coach from the COVID and let our fans kind of be, like feel it, you know? And um, yeah, I, I, like we toured so much right before the pandemic that we were really fortunate to have developed a fan base that we felt really connected to and who were, who are really enthusiastic about the releases. And so far with the singles that have come out, 
it, it's been uh, it it's really exciting to see um, the type of support we're getting. Like I call it baby steps, you know, in terms of like my career as a producer or us in the band. But you see the band just like it's continual growth. It's just baby step, baby step, baby step. Like you know, you just it's like he's constantly you're just moving forward, moving forward and. Anytime that we look back, like, oh, remember, like, six months ago, oh, oh there was that milestone. It's like, mm-hmm. and you just keep surpassing it. And so I think, we're, I, I think just as we release records, the word's going to spread and it's going to keep growing. And as long as we can stay honest to what we're doing and keep connected to the people who support us, like, the sky's the limit. And I think the pandemic did nothing to slow us down. Which is, uh, which is obviously awesome. I mean, one thing that I've been very grateful for is that with the exception of maybe a handful of bands I can think of on a local level, because obviously that's what I'm thinking about most of the time, is a lot of bands have just uh, stuck through it. They've kind of just been doing what I've been doing in the bands I'm playing with right now. We're just like just hunkering down, rehearsing or writing or recording as much as everyone can with the goal to like, all right, and then eventually we'll be able to like play this shit for for crowds of people again so yeah yeah but the the yeah. the incremental progress has been i i mean i've seen it because you know i connected with you a lot earlier on in the the actor's journey so it's been really really awesome to just see like oh shit like actors are like this is a really established touring band this is awesome to see and the the three music videos that you've released uh to promote acts of worship um, you know, they're all, they're all top notch. And I, I noticed that, uh, they all feature, you know, genre movie aesthetics, what with the zombie and the love you more video and the black magic vibes, uh, to the like suicide clip. Um, who did you connect with to craft these videos and what did they bring to the table in terms of a creative collaboration? The videos were the three videos so far. Um, two of them were done by Wayne Morehart. Uh, one of them was done by Peter Reed. Um, and in terms of, I think it's, uh, from what I understand, like the discussions that were being had were kind of just like, what gets you going? What gets you excited? And I mean, we all kind of travel in the world, I guess, that we're all just like big, giant horror movie nerds. So... <laughs> It was, it's fun. It's a fun thing to put the aesthetic of the band on to something like that. I think I even noticed in one of the, the photo shoots, and I think some people commented on this, Jason was wearing a pretty rad Hellraiser shirt. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'll admit, I it, it took me... I had not seen Hellraiser until like this past year, oddly enough. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this Hellraiser where Frank is slowly getting his skin back and he's upstairs in the attic or in that bedroom. And he, and the woman comes in and he goes, he, he says, I'm over here. And then she looks over and he goes, don't look at me. I'm like, I feel like, Frank, you just told me to look at you. And then he said, don't look at me. So I've been saying that like over and over. I'm over here. Don't look at me. It's really stupid, but since you mentioned that, I will say uh, that was the watching that film for the first time because you know obviously it's from the eighties and some stuff is some stuff's dated, but it's so fun that you don't care. But like, I will say the makeup and costume design in that first film, especially, is just 
top yeah. notch. Like I was really impressed, especially with like Frank, like, you know, he's coming back together and he's like, he's all just yeah. skin. Like it's really convincing. I was like, holy shit, this is really well done. Yeah. And Pinhead, when he like, really, you only see the Cenobites like at the end, right? Yeah. And like when Pinhead, like Pinhead's such an iconic, cool looking character. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rad. It's a very sexy horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the second one's decent, but I know, like, the first one, like a lot of those, the first one's the best. Yeah. Yeah, the first one's really great. Another mm. great movie um, that, I re- that I've revisited a few times over the years is The Exorcist. And I, and oh, it just oh really my God, so good. Movie. Oh, yeah. It's still, yeah. like, I saw that for the first time in college, and I was like, wow. This is effective to this day. People must have been, like, losing their minds watching it in the 70s. Yeah, I think like, people were running out of the theaters. They were so scared. <laughs> Which is always fun. Like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's a sign of a good it's horror like movie. like when I saw Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't seen that. But there's a lot of movies from 80s. I, still, I, I didn't see Gremlins for the first time until, like, this Christmas. Well, you can always edit that out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have people yell at me it's like you still haven't seen Goonies what's wrong with you a lot how much time you got uh, that's fine <laughs> uh, a question for both of you what excites you most about the new album uh, I just want I, well here's one thing I wrote the songs so they would translate live like the BPMs the parts I, I really was paying attention on tour to what songs got the most like excitement out of the crowd, and I tried to double down on those elements. So I'm really excited to hit the road. I'm really hoping that this is a reality. What about you, Adam? I mean, same, essentially. I think the amount of touring that we did um, for the first album, which was over two years, um, like over the span of two years, mm-hmm. uh, was really an interesting way to play those songs because a lot of those songs were made in a bubble kind of essentially like jason in his studio a lot of the time and maybe not with the thought of playing them live like you know you play in bands like you know how you probably write and record with your bandmates you're in a you're in a jam space and you're working out parts and you're playing live well, we, this was those records weren't like that so hitting the road with those songs it was kind of like we were continually learning not how to play them but how to play them effectively and it was really interesting to hear feedback from people when they come like because everyone that we meet is so lovely and kind and a lot of comments that we get after shows was this is very different from the record and now i don't know which one i like better <laughs> and I feel like what Jason did with the new album is basically spun off of that. It it feels it takes everything that was great about that first record. It it's heightened and more emotional. It's bolder. It's bigger. It's more colorful, um, without sacrificing any of the idea of what actors is. And I'm just so over the moon for people to hear it and to play it for people. What he said. One thing that I had noticed was just kind of looking over um, the, you know, all the time that you had spent 
uh, on the road promoting the first record was that there's a lot of time that was spent in Europe. You know, you have fans all over the world. Is there something about your sound that appeals more strongly to certain places like Germany, for example? It was just something I I observed was... A lot of dates in Germany, a lot of festival appearances in places like Germany. I don't think so. Um, I think Europe was the first to embrace us. Um, but really, I mm. look at the subgenre of goth, of post-punk, it's, it's, it's just a percentage of a whole. So the larger the city, the larger group of goths you're going to find. You know, Vancouver, there might be on a good night a couple hundred. You know, in L.A. on a good night, there might be a thousand or, or you know. So, or New York, or it's like... You know what? You're going to find those places, like a Salt Lake City or something, where you wouldn't expect to be anyone who likes that kind of music. But there's usually more because of that scenario. Yeah. Mm. Well, oh, the thing yeah. about Europe, I think that works huh. in terms of those festivals, is that this, the countries are really close together, the cities are close together, so they can, you know, just... It, it just makes more sense to have festivals there. Mm-hmm. Um United States, just you know, once our, we seem to be getting, we seem to grow, we seem to have grown the most in the United States lately, like the past, like you know, towards the end of the promotion of that record was like when we first went down to Seattle, um, there were eight people there. Like less than a year later, it was a sold out club, you know. So it's like, oh wow, it's like, wow, you know, it's. I just feel really fortunate that the music has touched people in a way that they're interested to come out and see it live, and then we just like to follow it up with being genuine and cool, and, and cool with everyone, you know? And um, it seems to be a recipe for for good times. Absolutely, and obviously uh, I, I wish nothing but success for you guys. I want to see you to be able to play every show on this new tour and it go off like gangbusters and i'm really excited to hear that uh, new record as well yeah um we're just approaching the end of the end of our time here and i wanted to ask just a a couple final questions what local bands or artists would you recommend we check out uh or bring on the podcast for a future episode it's funny i would feel like i would have so many more answers for this a year ago um just because I was seeing bands play every day, uh, but it's and it's been so long. Um, and I'm sure, like a lot of the ones that I can think off the top of my head, you've probably had on the show already, or or well soon. But I mean, like just this year, like ah, just like be surprised last year, like Devour's made uh, one of the best records that I've heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. Kylie V made one of the best records that I've heard in a long time. I mean, these are two very different people living in Vancouver, making very different music. Um, it's pretty special. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always say the city, you could go out without any plans four to five nights of the week to see bands play, and they're all going to be good. They're all going to be different. They're all going to be great. Mm-hmm. It's uh, We are lousy with talent here. The good kind, yes, of course. Yeah. How about you, Jason? Anyone uh, <laughs> jump to mind? Um there's a new band called Ringfinger that I think is pretty cool. That's doing like a definite post-punk thing going on. Um, they just were brought to my attention fairly recently. So check them out. I think they're cool. Um, who else would I think like, you know, you know, who doesn't get enough love. And I think is just like so fantastic. And someone I'm working with right now 
in the producer role is Louise Burns. I don't know if you've talked to her before. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We had her on. Uh, happy to reconnect with her, of course. We had her on the show. Oh, man. That must have been like November yeah, 2019. Right. So, just a yeah. couple months before right. everything went and, to know, shit. Obviously, Leather's Shannon's project. Um, she's got a lot of exciting things coming up. Uh, if that's not too too much of a, a nepotism plug. <laughs> For sure. And how can listeners keep up with what you're up to and check out your music? Um, probably, uh, well, the best place right now is actorsoftheband.com. Of course, we're on all social media, but um, our website is really up to date with, you know, a real central place for all the links to everything. So, yeah, it's www.actorsoftheband.com. Com. Fantastic. And I think we'll call it at that. Awesome. Um, yeah, thanks for having us. It's awesome. I'm glad, we, nice I'm glad we can finally make it work. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Jason. I'll be in touch with you folks soon. I just want to say I hate goodbyes. Let's yeah. just say <laughs> we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Pacific Sound Radio is produced by Mark Lengelbach. You can check us out on Facebook at Pacific Sound Radio, Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio, Twitter at Pacific S Radio, on YouTube at Pacific Sound Media. Our website is PacificSoundRadio.com, and you can also check us out wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like the show, there are a few different ways that you can support it. You can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. You can share this podcast on your social media, and you can also recommend the show in person to your friends, family, and coworkers. If you know a local band or artist that you think should appear as guests on our show, let us know. Fill out the form on our website or send us an email to talkpsr at gmail.com. Before we go, I just wanted to say that actors were set to play an extensive North American tour in support of their sophomore record, Acts of Worship, in fall 2021. This episode was recorded before the band decided to reschedule their tour to 2022.